Welcome everyone to the Iron Fist podcast by Fantastic Geek. We are the official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt and joining me as always is Pete. Hello, Pete. You don't have to call me that when we're not training. The Iron Fist podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 208, Citadel on the Edge of Vengeance, is sponsored by Portable Pit Fighting Cages. When your second season order gets reduced, accept no substitute. Ouch, Pete. And here we are at the conclusion of this podcast to think, Pete, we will have but three more podcast episodes for season two. That is the 209, the 210, and the season wrap. My how time flies. But Pete, shall we focus on this episode? Absolutely. Time to step inside the dojo and deconstruct this episode. Danny's physical recovery is nearly complete, but Colleen is still concerned about the emotional toll of facing Davos, his blind spot, again. Davos, meanwhile, trains his new students with two iron fists to fend off any challengers. Colleen tells Danny he will have to lull Davos into a false sense of superiority and let him wear himself out. After striking Danny across the face, Colleen wants to stop, but Danny demands more. Colleen is impressed with how Danny has healed, but is still mindful of intermingling instruction and romance. And it's not Danny's state of the art Rand Enterprises knee brace either. It's his compensation. But Danny credits Colleen's teaching. Misty, who does not appear in this episode, will bring the cops so that they can get the bowl they need to reverse the ritual. The staff Colleen's been using to train Danny came from her grandfather, who she went to live with after her mother died. He taught her Bushido and how to observe her surroundings. Danny must think and choose, not just feel and react. Just then, the tip line receives a report of Chen Wu's car on East Broadway in Clinton. As Chen drops Davos at apartment 3B to finish off the big fish in the hatchet gang, he wants to help. Davos doesn't trust him, however, since he's betrayed his own gang. Danny and Colleen arrive and escort Mrs. Yang and her gang out of the building. Danny passes his first test to think and choose. Outside, Chen corners them, but Colleen fights him off as they escape just before Davos arrives. Chen sees the flyer Danny and Colleen made with his car on a light stand. Sergeant First Class Walker wakes and watches Mary's video, which triggers a flashback to Sokovia when she was found outside the prison covered in blood by soldiers with no memory of what happened. They had been looking for her for a long time and only found her because of increased chatter from those coordinates. Seems someone lit it up. A soldier finds a blood-soaked machete. Mary credits Walker with their escape. Joy watches Rhino's squad train, and BB ain't exactly fitting in. He found one of the flyers, and Joy finds him, advising him to go back inside and smile. The triads have taken over a room in the Baird Center 
to plan a joint strike against Davos, but Colleen and Danny want them to hold off. As Joy searches for the magical bowl, Davos almost catches her and asks why she came to him if she fears him. They go for a walk where Joy explains the Eden Towers was a Rand purchase and that first impressions don't mean a thing. She shows him the flyer and advises him to better brand himself to the people of the city. Walker meets with good old Dr. Edmonds outside the mental hospital we've only ever seen him in before and tells him about Mary's video, the first time she's ever reached out to her. She was the sole survivor of over a year of captivity in Sokovia. Edmonds asks if there's another alternate personality. Walker always thought Mary coerced her way out of the prison. Edmonds suggests six months of inpatient treatment, but Walker suggests he forget she was ever there. Ward shops for forgiveness flowers for Bethany when Joy calls him. She wants him to take over the factory in New Jersey because Joy has other matters taking up her attention. He doesn't need to understand pays for his flowers, and leaves them behind. Colleen praises Danny's restraint, but it's clear their arrangement could threaten their relationship. One last test, a cage fight against Colleen. Ward finds Walker waiting at Joy's apartment. Walker wants Ward to get the redacted file of her military history. As he picks up the factory info, he finds a picture of their mother who ran a non-governmental organization for renewable energy in the third world. He realizes Joy had him take the project over because he was its best bet. He agrees to get the file for Walker in exchange for getting Joy away from Davos. Davos wants to take his students on a field trip, but BB has a tummy ache. Rhino punches him in the stomach, and they lock him in the dark room to deal with later. Joy lets him out in exchange for help finding the copper ball. Davos finds Henry Yip and his daughter in an alley outside the Silver Lotus, who recognizes him as uh, the one who has been killing the triads. Mr. Yip sends his daughter inside and Davos has Rhino apologize for their earlier behavior before extending his protection for free. Mr. Yip doesn't want to take sides though, but Davos flies off the handle and takes Mr. Yip's insides out. Rip Mr. Yip. Rhino says they're out but Crank slits his throat. Aline brings Danny to the cage they conveniently shut down six months ago. They will fight a Kumite match to the best of three points. Joy and Bibi search for the bowl when Davos returns. She stalls him as Bibi digs it out of the brick wall so he can bring it to Colleen's. Davos said Joy was wrong. He must bring the city to heal. Chen sees a similar survivor spirit in Joy. Colleen takes the first two points against Danny before he rallies. Afterward, he admits all he's been fighting for is the Iron Fist and chasing the heart of the dragon. 
how it will always endanger the ones he loves. He says he can't take the power back and thinks Colleen should. Well, you know who has the power, Pete? That's the people who keep us going on Patreon.com slash Fantastic Geek. Yes, whether you want to contribute at the Mrs. Meacham NJO level and, you know, get water for us and the rest of the third world, or if you just want to contribute at the uh, Mr. Yip level and, uh, you know, give what you can, everybody gets exclusive podcast content so thanks again for heading to patreon.com that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash fantastic geek we could not do it without you the people keeping us afloat there and this entire season of iron fist at least our podcast coverage of it has been made possible so one more thanks again to all our patrons sparring partners let's take a look at who danny faced off against in this episode pete no question that davos is a bad guy in part because they're just building on examples or a, a, a world of examples from prior episodes but when when he kills that nice old man that owned the restaurant oh mr that, that yip they, man mr Poor yip mr. they yip. They had gone there to have him apologize, or, you know, for, for Mr. Yip to be apologized to, I should say. And for the result being, oh, you don't, you don't like our brand of uh, free protection enough, therefore time to, you know, disembowel you. Stomach. Yeah, disembowel <laughs> you on the, the, uh, on the back alley of your restaurant. I mean, there's Davos as a bad guy in a nutshell, not wildly different from what we've seen in the past, but he's definitely bad. Ever since one of our listeners wrote in and raised the comparison to Kylo Ren, I can't get that out of my mind. And then I read a story someplace on social media in the last 24 hours. It was basically like kids were playing outside. One of them was Kylo Ren. And some girls came over and were playing and like, no, the Jedi are better. We, we just beat you. And the Kylo Ren kid goes, but you can't beat me. I'm Kylo Ren, which is the most Kylo Ren thing ever to say, um, except Davos would react that way as well. You, you can't have the Iron Fist. I'm the Iron Fist. It's such an apropos uh, uh, comparison, I think. And I don't know. I don't know whether it's good or bad. I mean, certainly this is not going to turn into a Last Jedi tangent here, although, of course, we both enjoyed that film. I will say this. There's a there's a pathetic nature to both of them, and to focus on Davos, just this, this you know, one-sided view that his might is right, and he's only killing the bad people, you know, the bad people like uh, the killers and the car stereo thieves and the mr yips who say no thanks i just want to keep out of this entirely like you know i think message received hey iron fist the show hey raven metzner can we maybe build on this in the next two episodes that would be swell entitled villains here it's it's become a thing and what people don't understand is it's holding a mirror up to toxic entitled fandom 
Um, you know, whether it's Star Wars, whether it's Marvel, I mean, geez, Matt, we get a we get a Captain Marvel trailer and suddenly people are cranky. Uh why, why is a woman in the 90s the hero? Why can't a white male be the hero every single time out? And and not understanding we're so overdue for this. How about the great little Twitter pissy party I saw somebody having? That movie can't be any good because don't you understand that the original Captain Marvel that now is called Shazam in DC when created in Fawcett Comics 1950s... Pete, next year we're getting... Captain Marvel and Shazam, or DC Captain Marvel and Marvel Captain Marvel, whatever label you want to give them, they're both getting movies next year. We're going to go see both movies. A lot of people go see both movies. Yeah. It'll be fun. That's it's, it. It's all right, man. Yeah. You know, you you, you got to let go. Maybe if Davos uh, learned anything in Kunlun, and we're going to really talk about that in our next segment, learning in Kunlun. Um, you, you gotta let go in order to move forward and he is not let go. And he decided with that to not let go of Mr. Gibbs insides. <laughs> well, also not letting go is, uh, is Chen of the steering wheel. He, Pete, there's gotta be bad stuff ahead for him. I know I don't want to go into theories quite yet, but he continues to be the wheel man for this. Uh, I think beyond his desire for, uh, for revenge over his eye and all of that and, and whatever ill will he might've had towards, uh, towards Mrs. Yang, et cetera. Um, yes, I, I think there's a story function there as discussed in previous episodes that part of Chen's presence is for Davos to be able to talk to someone. So we hear this, this, you know, what, what in a comic book might be a mental dialogue. We get to hear it said out loud, but you know, I mean, Chen literally is the getaway driver. Whatever's going to happen to Davos is probably going to happen to Chen, at least in terms of a general sense of justice. You know, I don't know how the season ends. I'll just predict, you know, Davos dead, Chen in, in handcuffs, that kind of thing. It's a man without a country, given that he's betrayed his own gang. He didn't even get the crack that he was hoping Davos would give him at the remaining hatchet leadership. And then, uh, joy now presenting an issue but i love the way they've framed chen that he smells that something's up whereas davos has twice now you know had the wool pulled over his eyes by uh joy so uh pretty interesting there i'm i'm really looking forward to how that's going to unfold it is a really interesting and, and wonderful observation there that Chen is probably the more astute of the two. He just lacks the uh, lacks the powers for chaos or revenge or what you know. However, Davos is uh, is painting things. Time to focus our chi and look inside this episode. Pete with Mary and with Walker. Might there be a third person there since the episode tells us Mary did not do the killings in Sokovia, Walker did not do the killings in Sokovia. Uh, is this also a follow-up question, Pete? Is this the WWE and is the next wrestling move being telegraphed well in advance <laughs> now that both Mary and Walker suspect, or I guess Mary doesn't, but Walker know, Walker has accounted for Mary and for Walker and still they don't know who done did the killings. 
I do appreciate the care they've they've taken to craft this storyline, but like you're saying, it's it's a little too far out in terms of the the telegraphing of it. I I think you hint at it once and then you make it happen. We've had two episodes worth of hints here. We had the the picture in the previous episode uh, with the the dark figure on the other side of it. Talk about changes that they're going through and and now via flashback what happened in in Sokovia uh with that blackout that one thought the other got them out of there um but i think more interesting what was walker doing in Sokovia and uh at the hands of Sokovians matt connects her to uh, Captain America Civil War, what with uh, Zemo, played by Daniel Brühl. So it's not as if he's going to, you know, come out of our TV screens and say, I will get Captain America and, and the Iron Man. Uh, but I think it's kind of neat that, you know, that intelligence that uh, he worked for could have been the one uh, holding Walker here and and uh, interrogating and, and killing the other members of her unit. Well, the answer may be external to the show itself. Of the 130 or 140 countries that Netflix is in, uh, Pete, none of them is Sokovia. So I do wonder if... <laughs> I mean, I mean, joking aside, I wonder if that's just a handy way to be like, and in bad... Badistan. Oh, that's kind of, you know, Middle Eastern, a little racist here. I know, Sokovia. Number of people from Sokovia who are going to complain that we're making their country look like an awful East European crap hole. Uh, none, because they don't exist. So, maybe there's that story flexibility there. Also, I think just the fact that it's you know, a, a fictional country available in the MCU if she's going to have, you know, trouble overseas, see action, be in the you-know-what. I mean, Sokovia is as good a place as any, right? That would be a really cool Netflix. You know, you're scrolling through trending, popular uh, horror movies, and you get down to the bottom, popular in Sokovia. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it would be a really cool uh, Easter egg. One, uh, one of those micro Netflix niches, you know, like yes, uh, yes. war-torn stories taking place in Sokovia. With puppets. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start, uh, you know, chronologically in this episode, Matt. What was up with the crazy lighting outside Colleen's in the beginning sequence? Uh, Pete, here, first of all, the some of the craziest lighting uh, ever. I would uh, suspect, Pete, that uh, director Julian Holmes uh, is perhaps, uh, shall we say, very handy with the camera, very artistic, uh, etc. Um, to me, it was more art than substance there. Uh, I don't know, uh, to the point that it was distracting. I, I, I yeah. like a, a nice, well-framed shot, the same as the next guy, but... I shouldn't spend time wondering, you know, has her apartment moved to the ground floor? Are there UPS trucks turning around outside there? Is it the 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 um the, the aliens? Have they returned to New York? <laughs> Are they shining lights in there? Is she going to get beamed up? Is this a crossover with the Star Is it Trek? The craziest eclipse of all time. Like I'm I'm trying to wrap my brain around what is. Yes, we're, we're going for dramatic lighting and shadows and, and the facing off. I understand the, 
the situation, but it it was way too much. Like, is there a mirrored truck uh, <laughs> out outside at at sundown? And hey, these guys is, are doing a mirror it, delivery across is, the street. Yeah, it is reflecting as they're trying to uh, parallel park back <laughs> and forth. Like, were they going to give us something? It, well, ju- it just seemed a little much. You know what, Pete? We could put the call out to people like uh, Mary Kirk and some of our other listeners who watch Outlander. Uh, did the episodes America the Beautiful and Do No Harm from this season of Outlander, did they involve lights being shined directly into the camera? Follow-up question, Pete, for you and I to remember. Daredevil episode 3.5, he directed that as well, did Julian Holmes. So are we going to get all sorts of shiny lights in our eyes then as well? <laughs> Time will tell. We'll have to see. Um Quick hit from me, Matt. Uh, do we really think that Danny didn't think until now? Uh, it's possible, but how do you mean? <laughs> no, just the the emphasis now. You're you're gonna think and choose, not just react. So all this no. time he's just been reacting. I I know. Listen, Iron Fist is the dumbest character in Iron Fist. That's that's the point. And, you know, convince me otherwise. I'll set up my chair and, and put the little placard in there and, and drink my coffee. Convince me otherwise. Um, and it, it is at his uh, expense these other characters thrive. Uh, but, yeah, now we got we to gotta make him think. I, I will give the episode credit that thinking danny figures out at the end of the episode that colleen should go try and win iron fist powers from davos instead of him because i felt like much of the last 10 minutes and certainly the last fight scene was like when you need to beat the teacher or when you need to learn from the teacher in order to get your magic powers back then maybe the teacher has better skills to simply be the custodian of those magic powers I, Pete, I really, truly am so careful with spoilers. I did <laughs> see one thing that makes me think that the show isn't going to stick with that. And I want to preemptively say I'm going to be annoyed if they teased in episode 210 or 208, rather, you know, like, ooh, Colleen can be the Iron Fist, or maybe they both can be, or whatever. And if it's not that, if she's like, oh, sorry, Danny, I, I dropped my cookbook, you had better go fight oh. him instead. I'm going to put my iron fist through the TV uh, metaphorically because my TV didn't do it. It's, 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 it's the MCU She's again, Pete too smart to want it. Um, and given what Danny is and what Davos has become, I think she knows that Mrs. Meacham, Matt, we, we get a picture, not really well in focus. Are we going to get Mrs. Meacham at some point? Well, we only have two episodes left. So some of our prior discussions about how deep are we going to get with Joy and the solar stuff and now appears to be for story points and kind of behind-the-scenes stuff and kind of, you know, tab A into slot B kind of story stuff. And I don't mean that in a R-rated kind of way. I just mean, like, it's a bit of business to push around the chessboard as opposed to, Oh my goodness, Pete, I can't believe it. Joy developed not just a better solar panel, but now she's going to be, you know, sun lass from the comics or, you know, something like that. It's just like been a thing for 
it appears now, Pete, that it, all of this stuff has just been a thing for Joy to do and an excuse for her to be kind of in and out at various points. And now mom is the device by which you say, mom was a saint. Mom wanted this. Mom's dead. So wait a minute. Clues about mom means whoever left the clue wants the other sibling to know that the first sibling might be dead too. And this time it's for real. <laughs> We'll have to see. How has it taken, Matt, 21 episodes for someone to use the fist to impale someone? Uh, Pete, that's because so many people use the fist to end a fight by punching at the ground and sending a shockwave, but only after 90 seconds or so of, of uh, fight choreography. Um, I suppose an alternative answer is Davos, is he's getting worse as he does things, and his taste for blood is increasing uh and i mentioned tangentially pete it looked as though non-lit up davos iron fist hands had a reddish tinge to them and at first i thought maybe it was the blood then in later scenes it still kind of appeared that way um if i'm seeing that for real and if that was like a makeup choice that's uh, that's a nice subtle touch with the discussion in this episode danny at the end admitting he traded you know searching for one thing for another and his life became all about the fist and what Davos has gone through. It seems like Kun Lun has really had it wrong all along training these kids for this. Pete Kun Lun is going to go down as the MCU version of the latter Republic days of the Jedi Order. They have it all wrong. They've been focusing on the wrong thing. They were not preparing the youths for the future that would happen because, of course, cloudy always the future is. Um, and you're absolutely right, though. I mean, they all existed just to fight for the Iron Fist. Okay, there was never any, like, plan B or, like, well, or anything else. And what have you ended up with? You've ended up with Danny, who is... Uh, certainly an imperfect protector of Kunlun in that he didn't protect Kunlun in its, you know, uh, greatest hour. Uh, then you have Davos who I dare say the Kunlun faithful would, uh, would look at Davos and say, you have, you have uh, twisted the meaning of Kunlun into this uh, red handed killing spree. Last one for me, Matt, if Colleen is not going to accept the fist, can we give it to young Yip instead? Absolutely, Pete. Anything to really spice things up for a season three, if such a season occurs. There's whispers here and there that uh, the end is nigh. I, I think Pete will wait on something a bit more actionable than I'm repeating a blog post I heard on Reddit, and now I'm putting it on my comic book uh, website that has resources. Um, but you <laughs> not <know>. really. <laughs> But I mean, here's my here's my fear, Pete. May, may I share my fear here in the theory segment? Of course. My fear is that the well earned, well timed uh, Hellcat kind of story arc for um, Trish in Jessica Jones, where you know we've told the story before, Pete. Quick recap: you know we see the first episode in New York Comic Con. The guy next to us doesn't know us. Is like. Hellcat, man, she's going to be Hellcat. Get ready for her to be Hellcat. I think the show was well served to give her the two full seasons. And then you kind of are like, oh, man, we're starting Hellcat. 
or Hellcat has arrived, whatever, you know, whatever. Um, if the show is doing, if, if Iron Fist is doing that with Typhoid Mary, the third personality, but saving it really, 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 where it's going to be the end of this season, and it's like, sorry, everybody, Mary's gone. I just fell in the vat of Joker acid now. I'm Typhoid Mary to end the season. See in season three, that'll be lame because they've already done that beat already in Jessica Jones season two. Mayhem is coming. Let's listen to some messages from the mystical city of Kunlun. Pete, continuing with 084's uh, spoilery email, which uh, we're going to make. We, we've just made sure off off recording uh, that nothing is is uh, spoilery through what we have podcasted because my eyes would just, they would just fall out of my head, Pete. Uh, but continuing with 084's email, there was, uh, a, a, of course, some praise uh, about Joy. Uh, and here's what the email has to say. Joy did her usual oscillation between the sides in true Meacham form. She seemed to be a catalyst for a lot of major story beats. I still think think she has potential to be a great foil for Danny in a later season, even if it's possible that the show might be kind of transcending that kind of story that would require her type of villain. We'll pause there. Pete, your thoughts on uh, on Joy kind of evolving possibly to uber villain status. I want to see her develop into that, you know, give her powers, give her something um, you know, of a, of a super special nature that she could rival Danny. I mean, she's, she's done a good job in terms of, you know, the, the revenge and everything there. I certainly came around to her these last couple episodes, but it's more so out of my anger at Danny right now that I, I want to see her hurt Danny yet. She's actually working to help him. The email goes on to say, I think Walker and Mary might have been my favorite characters through the whole thing. They were amazingly acted by Alice Eve, and Walker gave the show a very enjoyable agent of chaos that it needed. I think teasing a third, more dangerous personality that could show up in any of the other series was genius. I just hope she has the powers that Typhoid Mary uh, has in the comics. The slimmest nitpick I have is that she looks too much like Rachel Taylor, who plays Trish Walker. And for her to be named Walker doesn't, uh, herself doesn't help. I want more than anything for that third alter to be the big bad in Jessica Jones Season 3. But again, the only thing that would hold her back is the resemblance between her and Hellcat. Pete, I'm realizing that before again off mic when i stumbled over wait who's the rachel taylor character in jessica <laughs> jones it's because my brain was telling me trish walker and i'm here it's mary walker and my brain was getting confuzzled but uh yeah both are walkers what if there's a connection that could be fun that could be really fun and certainly we've seen characters uh cross pollinate before alice eve certainly is a name uh also somebody who i think maybe her average schedule would not preclude coming back for you know second half of jessica jones season three you know uh, by the way the jessica jones season i think concluding filming in the next couple months yeah they've been doing the summer slot here so it's all possible pete it's all connected as they say and of course pete connections are what it's all about how can people connect with you online you can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 9,985 followers. Can't be wrong. 
And while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast. Comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, and Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with the PH, all one word. Like it today. Well, Pete, for those listening on the Iron Fist feed, we'll be back in a couple of days to talk the penultimate season two episode. And if you're listening on the Pop Culture Podcast feed, we have some other goodies ahead in the coming week or so as well. Always an exciting time around these parts, Pete. With that, I will say adios to all the listeners and give you the final word. A warrior must always remember what they're fighting for.